doing? No, 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 no. How's everyone doing? There we go. Okay, let's get a little excited. We're in the Lord's house today, and we're going to hear a good word, I think, an exciting word. Uh, but my name is Blake, if we haven't met before, and I wanted to do something special. We did it last night, um, but we're in this season of graduating, right, with all kinds of graduations, like from high school and college and master's degrees and certificate programs, like whatever. It doesn't matter if you graduated from culinary school or whatever. I would just ask that right now. Would you just stand up so that we can honor you for this incredible accomplishment? Please stand. That is a big moment. Thank you. Uh, graduating of anything. It's just a mark and an end to an incredible accomplishment. And so we want to honor that. And we are excited for you and all that God has for you. But I know that when I graduated college, especially, I kind of was like excited, like, oh man, all this work is done. It feels good. But then I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Right? Like you kind of realize sometimes in college that like you pick a degree when you're 18. And by the time you're 22, you're like, I don't really even know if I like this thing. But you're like, you know, I got this far, so I got to finish, right? So you just get through the degree and things like that. But I don't know about you, but do you ever struggle with purpose? Do you ever struggle with, like, knowing why in the world am I here? Why, why do I exist in this world? You know, we've talked about this, and, and I think COVID made us kind of cozy up to some thoughts in our lives that we kind of weren't dealing with maybe because we were so busy. And then we got into the season of... Like, you couldn't be so busy anymore. There wasn't enough Netflix shows, right? And so you had to spend some time alone in your head. And for a lot of us, that's a dangerous place. And so you were kind of like, why do I exist? And what is going on? And what is the purpose of all of this? And so today, in the book of Romans, we're going to be moving into chapter 12. And as we do this, what we need to understand something significant happens in the book of Romans here. Paul moves from what Jesus has done and kind of this theology of understanding about how the death and life and resurrection of Jesus really affects our lives spiritually to how it now translates physically into our physical lives. The book makes a shift. So Paul's going to say, hey, because of all of these things that I've told you, like this affects the way that we live. This affects our relationships. This affects how we relate to our leaders and the government and how we love one another. Like Paul's going to say, real theology leaks out into how we live, right? This is what we would say. Correct theology leads to correct praxis, right? The way that we live our lives. And so today we're going to see that you were created specifically for a purpose in this world. That you are uniquely made and designed by God for a specific purpose in this place. And we're going to help you try to ask some questions about how you can figure out what your purpose is. And so I remember I was 25 years old um, and I woke up on my 25th birthday. And this was literally, I can remember this, like actually rolling over and looking at the clock. And when I was 25, I turned over, I looked at the clock and the first thought in my head was, what have you done with your life? Like, what have you done? Like, what are you really doing? And, and what is the purpose of all of this? And that birthday for me marked a couple year period where I really dealt with kind of depression and I dealt with this a feeling of purposelessness. Like, I just felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And Kelsey tried to help. She's like, Blake, you've graduated college. We're married. You have a master's degree. You're working on a second master's degree. Like, you've accomplished a lot for 25 years old. And I just, but I didn't feel like I had. I felt like I didn't quite know what I was doing. I kind of felt like I was in this holding pattern. Like I could kind of vaguely see where my life was going to land and I could vaguely see kind of what was happening, but just I couldn't get the plane to land. And I remember like I would come home and I had a good job at Liberty. I worked as an instructional coordinator for the biblical and theological studies department. And I mean, I was doing everything from helping to design courses to degree programs. And I was teaching and I was doing a lot of things. And I was actually at 25 and 26 years old, I was living some people's dream. I was a college professor. I was doing all of these things. And like, I remember there was one day I was talking to this group of guys uh, in my department, and they're like, man, don't we have the best job ever? Like, we get summers off, we get holidays off, we get paid a good amount of money, and we, like, kind of live this college life forever. And I remember thinking, that's miserable. I don't want to do that. Uh, that's not my purpose. I just felt in my life it wasn't my purpose. And, 
every day for a couple, like two years, I would come home from work, I would say hi to the family, and I would go upstairs, and I would turn on the shower, and I had a stool in the shower, and I would sit in the shower till it ran cold, thinking like, is this it? Like, is this as good as life gets? Is this like all that God has created me for? Did I peak at 25, 26, 27 years old? And now like looking back, I go, man, you're a fool, man. Why would you even think that? Like, you're just getting started, right? But the reality is, is I felt purposeless in my life. Even though I was working and doing a lot of things, I just didn't feel like I was going anywhere. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if you can like deal with that and and think about that, but there's actually now a new term in psychology for this. It's called purpose anxiety, right? Everything's built around anxiety now. We're all worried about everything, and I think that's because we see everything, right? We get to see what's going on in other people's lives. We see all the possibilities. We see all these other things. We see people seemingly happy online, and we're miserable And they seem to have their purpose and we don't. And it's like this, I hate this. I hate this. And so here, like if you want to know if you're dealing with maybe some purpose anxiety, here's like five things that how it expresses in your life. And all of these were true of me. So the first thing you'll see in this is constantly switching jobs, companies, or in our context, churches. Like every, every job, every place, every organization, you're just constantly switching. You're constantly moving around. You can't settle and find consistency like in in anything. Like maybe it's church attendance or what church you attend. Or maybe you attend six churches. Or maybe you attend none. I don't know. Or maybe you've, you've changed jobs seven times in the past four years. But there's this constant change. Maybe if you're in college, you've changed your degree 12 times. Right? Like you're six years in, but you credit wise, you're year two. Right? Like because you've just switched so many times. They're like, just get a general education degree at this point, like just a general one so you can get out of here. But the reality is, is we constantly are changing. How about this? Feelings of not being good enough or that you're a failure. When you don't have a purpose and you don't feel like you have a purpose, it's hard to ever succeed. You don't have a goal. You don't have a landing spot. And so instead of feeling like, oh, I'm succeeding, you feel like you're constantly failing. I mean, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're never good enough? That you look at like what's going on in other people's lives and how they they look and they live and and you're just like, I'm a failure. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to find it. How about this? This is a common symptom for so many of us, negative comparison. You look at other people and their lives and what they're doing and you just say, I'll never be that. I'll just, I'm never going to be that person. I'm never going to have that spiritual walk. I'm never going to have that job. I'm never going to make that amount of money. I'm just never going to have that relationship. I'm never going to find my spouse. I'm, I'm just never going to do it. It's just, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, and what you do is you begin to compare yourself to other people. Like how many of us, you've been in a relationship and then the relationship ends. And the very first thought is I'm going to be single forever. Because your purpose was designed in something that you were never supposed to design your purpose into. And because that ended, well, now life's over. Right? Like, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not, your purpose in life is not in a relationship. Your relationships can be part of uplifting and moving you forward in this life. But your end goal in life is not just a relationship with other people. Now, my relationship is with God. That is my purpose in life for sure. And how I love God and how God loves me affects the way that I live in my relationships. But that's not just your purpose. You're just not called to be like married. I mean, especially for young people in this room, that's like the, uh, the goal. I just want to get married. I just, I just want to be married. And so you compromise on things, you let go of things, you let things slide, and then you marry into a mess, and then you wonder, was this really my purpose? And so you're constantly negatively comparing yourself, or how about this, you worry that you'll never find your one true purpose. You're like, that's great for everybody else in the world, but I'm never going to find mine. I'm never going to actually know who I am and who I was created to be. And let me just tell you, like that, that leads to nihilism. That is a, this belief system that it's all for nothing. It's all nil. It, it, there's no purpose in life. And let me just tell you, that doesn't lead to a happy existence. If there is no purpose, then we have a problem. And then finally, your inability to acknowledge accomplishments. This was me. 
right? I had been married. I had finished my undergrad. I had finished a master's degree. My wife was pregnant. Kelsey was pregnant with Piper, and I was working on my second master's degree. I was teaching at a university. I was making good money. We had bought a house, and I could not acknowledge any of that because I didn't feel like I was in my purpose. And so how many of us, like, there are good things in your life, but you can't acknowledge those good things because you're letting one area of purposelessness in your life dictate everything else that's going on. You, you just like, it, it clouds and, and shadows over everything else. And so you're kind of left at the mercy of the winds of the day and you never feel like you accomplish anything. And let me just tell you guys, we were designed to accomplish things. Like we were designed for purpose. I think that that's such a true analogy and an evidence that we are designed in the image of God. That we are designed and created for a purpose. The fact that we all struggle with this is, is a big deal. I don't see dogs laying around in your house going, what's my purpose? Just to eat and, and drink and go outside and chase a squirrel? That's my life? They're happy. Right? I, I don't see this going on in anywhere else but in our current context with humanity. And I think that because of what some of the things that's going on in our culture, we're going to talk a lot about culture today and kind of the lies that culture is telling you right now, that we're, we're stuck. We're stuck. And so if you have a Bible with you, open up to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. This is Paul now speaking to all of the believers that he's been talking to. And remember, he's just got, talking, got done talking about the mercy, the love, the grace the call of God, right? All of these things in our life. And he says, look, because of basically chapters one through 11, there is something that happens in our life that God has a purpose for you and I. And the purpose is not us. It goes way beyond us. It goes way beyond what the culture tells us is what it should be. So here's what Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, that therefore, maybe you move it in your sentence, move it to the, to the front of the sentence. Therefore, I appeal to you, brothers. Right? What Paul is saying is that word therefore is saying this, all of this hinges. There's some practical application in your life because of everything that God has done. And if you remember our key phrase from this book, it's what Jesus did changes who we are and all that we do, including your purpose. And so what happens, he says, therefore, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. What does that mean? He says, because of all the goodness that God has given us. Right, Because mercy is what? Mercy is us not receiving what we deserve. That's what mercy is. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is, is us not getting what we do deserve. And he says, because of the mercies of God, what are we to do? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, I normally don't do this in, in uh, my messages because I don't want to bore you and put you to sleep, but there's some really interesting Greek words going on in just this first sentence. Like, and, and here's what you have to understand about Greek. Greek is really specific. There's a reason why we study Greek in, in our undergrad and our seminary, right? It's because Greek is specific. Like it, it has more tenses than we have. There, there's seven words alone for love, right? So here, let me give you an example. This is what I teach my hermeneutics class. All right. On my way to church today, I saw a trunk. What did I see? You guys, class participation, right? On my way to church today, I saw a trunk. What did I see? A trunk. What kind of trunk? Say, what? Tree trunk? No, I mean, I saw those, but that's not what I'm talking about. Trunk of a car. I saw those, but that's not what I'm talking about. Luggage trunk. Nope, I saw those. They're all in my office. Not what I'm talking about. An elephant trunk. Do you see how words matter? Do you see why Greek is a little bit more specific and why we study it? Because what Greek is going to do is it's going to say to us, like, there's no ambiguity. This is what I mean. And then when we translate it into English, that's when we get a little confused. And that's part of my job. Part of my job is to say, hey, of all the schooling that I've done, I want to bring some understanding. So that first word, when he says, I appeal. It's this word. I'm going to have you guys repeat it after me. I'm going to teach you Greek today. Everyone say parakaleo. Para One more time, church. Parakaleo. Para 
that comes from this word that God uses to name the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It's a word called paraclete, which means helper, comforter. And that parakaleo literally means to come alongside. But here's the deal. Paul, this isn't like a suggestion in this verse. Paul isn't saying, hey, it might be a good idea that because of all that we've received from God, you should offer your life as a living sacrifice. That word to, to offer is a command. Paul says, because of what God has done, here's what we must do. But here's the beauty of it. Paul uses a word there that means Holy Spirit. And it means, look, when you give your life as a living sacrifice, God and others are going to come alongside you, that they're going to be with you, that they're going to help you, that you're not alone. But Paul, Paul is painting for us a picture because how many of us realize, like when you say living sacrifice, you're like, this sounds serious. This isn't five ways to have a better life. This isn't like this easy message, a living sacrifice. That sounds hard. But Paul gives us the why. And let me tell you, when you have the why in life, the what is much easier. And here's what Paul says. The beginning to finding purpose is gratitude. It's the very first point of today's message. Gratitude is the beginning of purpose. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, you want to know your purpose in life? I'm going to tell you. It's to worship God with your life. That's it. Like, and, and we're going to go through this today. And we're going to look at some things that are going on. But your general purpose as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, is one thing. To glorify God, to worship God with your life. And what he says is, the why do we do that? Because of gratitude. Because of everything that God has done for us, it's easy to say yes. It's easy to go, okay. And some of us know this. Like, this is a natural thing, right? Like, back in the day, what would happen? If you save somebody, they would say, I give an oath to you that my life is here to serve you because you saved me. In the same way. Like, we look at God and we go, because you saved me, because you rescued me, my life is yours. My life is yours, and, and, and I will willingly and wonderfully serve you. Because why? If God was willing to save you out of your sin, why would his call on your life as a living sacrifice be bad? See, so many of us are like, well, God's going to call me to the things that I hate. Really? Why would he do that? Doesn't he want his children to love and enjoy serving in the kingdom of God? Like, how many of you as parents, like, you just say, your call in life is the worst thing for you? Absolutely not. Now, here's what may be happening. You may be called to something that you're made for, but your heart's not ready for it yet. C.S. Lewis talked about it like this. Like, how do we understand the will of God? How do we understand our purpose and what goes on? Like, how do I not do what I hate? And he says this, the will of God is here and our will is here. And as we pray and serve and love and know God, God's move, will doesn't move. Ours does. As God shapes you and, and, and moves you and you get into community and you hear the word and the word shapes you and moves you. It moves you to right where you want to be and you will love doing what you're doing. Absolutely. 100%. And here's the deal. Like I didn't go to college to be a pastor. I went to college to be a lawyer. But as I got to know God and seek God, and because I realized so much of what God had done for me, and out of gratitude, I looked towards him, we got to this place where I looked at it and I said, God, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. What did you make me to do? And he said, ministry. And I was like, that's a joke. I said, ministry? You know me? You know what I did? You know who I was? You know how late I got saved? You know that I didn't grow up in this culture? You know that I don't know all this Christianese? You don't? And he goes, yeah, I know. I know, that's why I'm calling you, because we're going to be dealing with a culture that's not like that. And so what happens is, is God began to shape me, and, and offering our lives is something that was really normal to us. But a lot of us are offering our lives to things that are not going to return anything, right? We offer our lives to sex. We offer our lives to food. We offer our lives to anger. We offer our lives to fear. We offer our lives to money. And let me just tell you something. Things without souls are never meant to satisfy things with souls. And sex isn't your purpose. Sex can be part of life. It can be enjoyed in life. But sex isn't the purpose of your life. Money is not the purpose of your life. Why? How do we know that? How are there people who have all the money in the world and are still miserable? How do we know that? 
Why, why do we know that people who have all this money sometimes need to be philanthropists so that they feel better? Because so, there's a purpose to it now. I mean, what about anger or fear? Has that ever really repaid you in your life? I mean, you can be righteously angry about something in your life, and that can help you, but it's not meant to keep you. Or how about fear? How about fear? Like some of us lay down our lives and give our lives as a living sacrifice to fear. Like it's just like constantly rules you and it reigns your life and you can't move forward because you've just given yourself over to fear. And so what happens here is Paul begins to talk about this and he says, because of the mercies of God and all the good things that we have, we can remove some of these other things. We can remove fear. We can remove anger. We can remove the love of money. Not that money's bad. Money can help you in your purpose. Not that it's sex or drugs or food or whatever it is that you're offering your life to now. It's not your purpose. I mean, it's just ser- I'm serious. Like, Because your purpose is not meant to make you miserable. And how many of us are miserable because we've been offering ourselves to things that we're really not designed for? And so what happens here is because of this, Paul's contrasting the Old Testament and the New Testament. Paul says this, hey, the worship has always had an element of sacrifice. Old Testament, New Testament. There's always been an element of sacrifice to worship. Old Testament, you'd kill things and offer them. You would give dead things. Paul says, we're not into dead things anymore. Jesus died once and for all. There's no more need for that. He is the one who died, who rose again. There's no more need for that. And so what God says in the New Testament is it's greater. It's a living sacrifice. It's not like you go live the way you want to live and then you go kill an animal and you burn it on an altar and go, hey, it's all good. I'll keep living for myself. He says, no, like it's such a higher calling now. Jesus took care of all of that. Now we're into a greater calling. But here's what is really incredible in this moment. That word worship in the Bible is this word, letteria. The word letteria, which is translated worship in our Bible, literally means to serve. So here's what Paul's saying. I'm going to help you understand this. Because of the gratitude that you have for God, you're going to offer your life as a living sacrifice. And it's not going to be detrimental. It's actually going to pour into your life. Why? Because one, I appeal to you. I'm with you. And the Holy Spirit is with you. And here's what he says. Because our worship is our service. That's it. And so what Paul is saying is the only response to God that we have when we, we kind of survey the beauty of what he's done for us is worship. It's what he's owed. Like he lived for us. He died for us. He rose again for us. He left heaven for us. He bore the weight of sin of the world for us. He does not look, no longer look at us as sinners, but as saints because of all that he's done. And when you really realize like in that moment, the debt that has been paid on our behalf and the only thing that you have to do is to confess and believe, which isn't a work. It's just a realization And he says, now that we've done that, it's easy to serve with our lives out of gratitude. And so what Paul says is because of this, here's the reality. We need to change our thinking. Because some of us hear the word sacrifice and you hear death. But he's not talking about dying. He's talking about living. A living sacrifice. In this world where where we are going and serving, like, look. No one who went with us to Poland was like, I just can't wait to go sightseeing. I can't wait to, like, I can't wait to not make money at my job this week so I could go there. I can't wait to be on a plane next to some really smelly people for nine hours. I can't wait to eat airplane food. That is disgusting. I can't wait to do these things. I can't wait to hear horrific stories. But God had called that team to a purpose. And I'm just going to tell you this. And our team will realize this too. They, they, they talked about it. God changes you a lot more than maybe you change people when you're there. You're part of being used to help people and buy supplies and all of these things. But here's the reality. Like we were changed in the process. Because we were a living sacrifice, God actually poured into our life. There was a return because we gave ourselves to something proper, good, and holy. We got some of that in our life. And I'm just going to tell you, like our team has come back and I'm sure they have a different perspective. 
I'm sure that like if they were like me, when I got in my own bed in my own house and I wasn't worried about a bomb, I wasn't worried about like these people coming to get me. I wasn't worried about if we were going to have enough money tomorrow. I wasn't worried about the electricity turning on. I wasn't worried about anything else. And I just got in my bed and slept like a baby. It was one of the sweetest sleeps I ever had because of the gratitude that I now had for all that God had blessed me with, with where I was. And I'm just going to tell you, like, we're going to go back. We're, gonna, we're looking at Romania. We're looking at going back to Poland. We're looking at a lot of different options to go back. Why? Because, man, I'm a living sacrifice. And so are you. And you can have this benefit in your life. But here's what Paul says. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is the will of God? Your purpose. So we can't think like the world thinks and expect to get where God wants us to be. And that's a lot of what happens. We bring a lot of the world into the church and then go, man, why am I not experiencing and moving forward in all that God has for me? And you're like, because that's not the way you discern it. It's an opposite type of thinking. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second, how the world wants us to think. And he says this, that you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Some of us think like when we're living sacrifice, we change those adjectives. We hear what is bad, awful, and death. But what does he say the will of God is for you and I in our purpose? Good, wonderful, acceptable, and perfect. Here's what this means, guys. Like, If we change the way that we think and start to think about things biblically, we will begin to pursue the things that God has for us, even when it doesn't make sense according to the world. And what you're going to find is yourself in the good, perfect, holy, acceptable will of God. And I'm just going to tell you, there's no place like it. There's honestly no place like it. It, it. it provides for you a peace which surpasses understanding. There's no more anxiety. There's excitement. And I know that some of us in here are like, what, do I, what does God have for me? He, what, what does he want to do for me? But here's what's going on in our culture right now, okay? Our culture is stripping everyone of identity right now. Our culture is like basically making us all the same. I know that our culture has heralded differences. It's not heralding differences anymore. It says, this is the way we think. This is the things that we believe. If you kind of askew from that in the slightest, you're out of the club. You're you're not part of the team. You're not part of what goes on. So you cannot differ any longer on any thought, on any idea, on any practice, any longer in our culture. We do not live in a culture of uniqueness. We are being conformed to a one world, one way view. And what that does for you and I is some of you weren't made for that world. And that's why you're struggling with your purpose. Because you're not cookie cutter. You're not like everybody else. You're not like these things. And what, this is what the world will say. The church wants you to make you into this cookie cutter person. And maybe the church did that in the past. But what you're going to see in this passage is that God doesn't want you to be cookie cutter. Because he uniquely made you. But the culture says, look. Just do what everyone else is doing. Follow the line. Follow the thought. Agree with these things. And if you don't, you're ostracized. You're kicked out. You have no community. And that's what's happening to us. Any part of our individuality and our identity that's apart from that, it has been stripped away. And some of us in this room are scared right now for our lives because we're not thinking like groupthink. And you're like, man, this doesn't happen. Read books. Like, just read, like, how, like, we were just in Poland, which was ravaged by Nazi Germany. So then Russia and Germany came back through. We literally were in a square in downtown Warsaw that had to be rebuilt by hand because the whole block was leveled. All, and how did we get all those people to do that? Because we made everyone the same. You're not unique. This is the way that we think. This is what we do. This is how it goes. And if you get out of line, we'll kill you. This happens time and time again. And I really believe it's going on in our culture right now. I'm just going to give you guys some freedom right now. It's okay to be different. 
It's okay not to think the same. And here's the other deal. It's okay to love people that think differently than you. Here's how I know that. All of us thought really differently than God, but he loved us. And if the love of God can be towards us for those who think differently than him, then that love is in us and that love can go out of us and we can love people who are different. 100%. You can love and be, be loving and not have to accept every single part of someone's thought process. Why? Why is this such a big deal in our culture right now? Because our culture has been stripped of identity. They have no purpose. So their purpose is in some of these thoughts. And when you attack the thought, you attack them. You and I, like people can say things about Christianity. People can do all of this stuff and we're okay. Why? Because our purpose isn't in that. Our purpose is in who God made us to be. We're beyond that. And you know what? That scares the world. That scares the world. What do you mean? You're secure when I say that you're hateful and you're angry and you're all, you know, like, I don't hate anybody. I actually love everybody. Does it mean that like everything, I'm cool with everything. But I can, I can love a murderer and not love what he did. I can serve a murderer and not love what happened. Right? Like I go, I used to go until COVID, I used to go and teach in jails, in Sarasota jail. Like I used to go teach uh, up there about character and men's development and all kinds of things. And I loved those men. I didn't always love the things that they did. But that didn't mean I didn't love them. Doesn't mean when they got out of jail that we haven't met up and had conversations and, and done all these things. I, I, you don't have to love what someone does all the time, but you can love who they are. 100%. And this is the lie that the culture is telling us. In order to love somebody, they got to fit into this culture. So here's, here's the culture's answer to purpose. There's two answers. Ready? The first answer is it's meaningless. It's all meaningless. And you're like, oh, I feel better. So the feeling that I have that it's meaningless and I don't have a purpose, this is sticking with me forever. Okay, I better just accept this. It's all meaningless. The other part that the culture answers is this. It's all about you. What do you want? What, you know, what, what makes you happy? How many of us know that some of us walk towards things that make us happy, but in the end make us miserable? Like, why, like, how is that good advice? Have we not noticed that, like, in our current culture and in our world, people have a propensity to self-destruct? Like, we do. Your thoughts, your actions, the things that you partake in, the things that, that, that go on in this world, like, you just, like, we have a propensity to kill ourselves all the time. We overeat, we overdrink, we do drugs that we shouldn't be doing, we look at things that are shaping our brain. Did you know that right now pornography is considered to be more addicting than cocaine and it physically changes the shape of your brain? You're not, we're not meant to look at that. We're not meant to see that much. We're not meant to do this. And so what happens is, is the world says, well, just do whatever makes you happy. But here's the reality. If you don't know your purpose, how do you know what will truly make you happy? Like, if you don't really know why you exist on this planet, then how are you ever going to really find happiness? You might find momentary happiness, but let me just promise you, if you don't know your purpose and you're just kind of conforming to everybody else, you will be miserable because you never will find joy. You'll never find peace. So we'll have to steal little moments of happiness to relieve us from the pain, to relieve us from from the moment. And that's some of us, like, that's what we're living in right now. We're just stuck in this moment of, of life where you just don't know. And, and here's what goes on. You say to the world and to the culture, hey, what should I be doing? And the, church, the world goes, I don't know. Whatever makes you happy. And you're like, but I don't know what makes me happy. I, I, I'm asking you. And the, and the world goes, I have no answer for you because I didn't make you. I don't know. So my best advice is really ambiguous. Just do whatever makes you happy. And see, the reality is, is that when we change our thinking and we conform not to the thought of this world and we conform to what God has said, we're transformed by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit, by worship and by reading his word, all of a sudden your mind begins to change and you begin to desire things that God actually desires for you. One spouse. Eat healthy. 
right? Like do things, pursue things. Like, uh, like there were literally people in Poland that we talked to. Uh, one of the team members told me this. They said um, they were talking to this lady and they're like, where are you from? And they're like, we're from America. And they're like, well, why are you here? And it's like, because we love you. What are you doing? Whatever people need us to do. And the lady said, I don't think I would leave my country to go help people in another part of the world who are in the middle of a war. Because what, what's that? Like how, what, what, you're sacrificing your money, your time, your talent, your treasure to be here for somebody you don't even know. You don't even know if I'm a good person. You're like, yeah, no, no, no. This isn't really about you. It's about us being obedient to God. That's the win. And in the, the obedience to God, in the giving and living sacrifice to God, people got helped in the process. A hundred percent because we said yes to what was going on and we worshiped and we served. And so here's where I want to free everybody. Romans chapter, eight, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. We're going to read through it, and I think you're going to see something incredible. He says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than he ought to think. He says this is for everybody. Know your role. Know your place. And there's no place for pride in this kingdom. This is what he says. There's no place for pride in this kingdom, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Why is it so important that we don't think ourselves too highly of others? Because you go from worship, which is to serve, to being worshiped and being served. A lot of us think like the world is here to serve you. That's not worship. That's idolization. And so what Paul says is like, if we get to the point where we think ourselves too highly of everybody else, that's just the natural tendency of humanity. I'm higher than you, so you serve me. Paul says, no, here's the deal. Pride is a purpose killer. You want to kill your purpose? You want to not know where you're going to go? You want to be miserable? Then start making the world serve you. Because here's the deal. We aren't designed and built to be worshiped. We aren't. Like, worship to us actually destroys us. You're not built to be worshipped. No matter how much you think you may be, look at what happens to the people in the world who are worshipped. Pharaohs were considered gods. People worshipped Hitler. Look what happened. Look what happened to Stalin. Look what happens in the world when everyone's saying yes to you. And then the world is here to serve you. What happens? You become a me monster. And when you become a me monster, you'll run over everybody else in the world to get what you want. Worshiping people and having self-worship does not make kings. It makes tyrants. That's not your purpose. You were built to worship, not to be worshipped. That's why pride is a purpose killer. And so what does Paul continue to say? For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Here's some freedom. You're unique. We're not all the same. This isn't cookie cutter. That You don't need to be who you're not. And he says this. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to faith in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Here's the deal. Some of us in this room are miserable because you're trying to walk in a calling and a purpose that God hasn't given you the grace for. Like some of you are like, man, I'd love to be up there teaching and doing what Pastor Blake does, but maybe God hasn't given you the grace. And so yes, you could do it in your flesh, but your soul will be crushed because it's not what you're meant to do. And so some of us look at gifts and things in the church and we look at those are higher gifts. Those are better gifts. Those people are more talented and more important to the kingdom of God. We go, man, I'm not them. And I don't know my purpose, or I'm not happy with my purpose. And so what happens is, is your soul begins to be destroyed because you're comparing yourself to everybody else, and pride kills and comparison kills. The reason that it's not working is because God hasn't given you the grace for that. And so you're trying to work out a spiritual thing in your life through your flesh, and I'm just going to tell you that that doesn't work. I know we live in a culture of grit, 
right? Like we live in a culture of endless possibilities, but we need to really accept some things in our life that aren't possibilities, and that's okay, right? Like we know these things. Like you could grit and try to grow gills, but you won't. You could say, my purpose is to be the first person who swims underwater and has gills. And you're like, there's not grace for that. The, the grace hasn't been given for that. And so you keep trying, and you're almost drowning, and it's miserable. And you're going to do it for years, and it's going to crush you. Because grace wasn't given to you for that. I know that's ridiculous, but some of us are doing that with everything. And so here's what we need to understand. Everybody in this room is uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made for a specific purpose in this world. And you don't need to be anybody else than who God made you to be. You can stop running that race. You can stop going into these moments because you are unique. And there's something in this world and in this kingdom and in this church and in this place that you are uniquely a solution to the darkness of the world because God designed you for it. And some of us just need to accept what's going on and find our true purpose. And the problem is, is if you walk in it, you'll be so happy. The problem is you're comparing yourself to other people thinking, well, I'm not enough. That's never what God says in his word. God says you are equally, wonderfully, fearfully, uniquely made. And I'm just going to tell you something, guys. Like Paul uses the image of a body. Here's the deal. Like if any part of your body is in functioning property, the whole body feels it. Like all of my physical therapists and people like doctors and like you know this, right? Like if your calf hurts and you walk funny, your hip starts to hurt. Then your back starts to hurt. Then your neck starts to hurt, right? Like if your stomach isn't functioning properly, like it affects everything in your life. That's exactly what Paul is saying. The, the calf muscle is really important. Because if not, the whole body isn't functioning correctly. In the same way, whatever your purpose is, it's important to the body. And sometimes the church is limping around because you're not jumping in. You are uniquely and wonderfully and powerfully made. And even though you're trying to discover your purpose and you don't know what that is, don't let your unknown steal that truth from you. You don't have to be like everybody else because God didn't make you to be like everybody else. If God wanted two of somebody, he would have made identical twins. That's what he would have done. If God wanted two of somebody in this room or this world, he would have made two of them. But he didn't. He made you. And you're not a mistake. And you're not lost. And you're not all of these things. You're just on the way to discovering what's going on. And so here's the deal. Romans chapter 12, verse 8. This is what it says, because here's what happens to a lot of us. Let me read the verse. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Here's what he says. Whatever your role is, whatever your purpose is, do it with a good attitude. Some of us, like because we want to be our own purpose makers, are angry at God for where he's called us. And where you are right now may not be where you're going to be forever, but it may be God's purpose right now for you to prepare you to where you need to be. I'm just going to tell you, like some of us, God's got to get some of that attitude out of you. God's got to get some of that entitlement out of you. God's got to like, like, like get out some of this pride. So God's going to squeeze and God's going to press. Why? Because we sing a song about it. We want new wine. You know how you get new wine? You press fresh grapes. In order to get wine, you got to crush grapes. In order to get diamonds, you have to have a lot of pressure and heat. In order to refine gold, you have to melt it. In order to become a, a, like a vase, you got to go from a block to a vase. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of squeezing. There's a lot of moving. There's a lot of shaping. But the reality is, is at the end of the day, something brilliant comes out. I had a boss tell me this, my mentor, he's like 86 now. His name's Elmer Towns. And he, I was in this season where I was miserable. And he said, stop trying to run, Blake, because the lesson will follow you. And God is more patient than you. And so what happens is, is God may be pressing you right now and squeezing you right now because he wants to refine you. And he's got he's to refine some of these edges so you can walk in your purpose and it won't crush you. And the, the tendency of us is to try to slip out. 
to move, to get out of the way. And God goes, okay, I'll just follow you. And we'll get here, and I'm just going to start pressing again. And that job that you thought was the answer isn't, and you're miserable again. That relationship that you thought was the answer isn't, because you're miserable again. That place, that house, that car, that new iPhone is temporary happiness, but your soul's not satisfied. There is no joy, and so you're crushed. And so here's the deal. Like, some of us go, like, greeting. Like, ah, I'm not a greeter. I'm not a nice person. Well, if you're called to greet right now, and that's your purpose right now, smile. Say hi. It's not, hi. If smiling is hard for us, that tells us something more about what's going on in our soul. Right? Happiness, smiling should be a natural expression of our lives. So what's going on? And here's what Paul says. Whatever God has called you to in this season may not be your ultimate purpose, but it's part of getting you there. And so go at it 100%. Go at it with a good attitude. Go at it with, with all that you have and, and, and pursue it. Because here's the reality. Every no is one step closer to yes. So go try something. Go do something. And so as we end today, John's going to come up. But here's what I want to say. How, how do you determine your purpose? Like right now, some of us are like, hey, this is great. Pastor, it's so kind of you to tell me how unique and wonderful I am. And that's true. You are unique and wonderful. But you go, that doesn't really help me in my current mess. I think there's really five questions that we can ask ourselves to help determine what's going on in our lives. Because the reality is you do have a purpose. You were not meaninglessly made. You have a purpose in the kingdom of God. You're just in the process of discovering it. So how do we discover what that is? So here's a question. Have you asked yet, where does God currently have me? Like where you are right now, the fact that you're in this building or in this place or in this church or in your job or whatever, you're there for a reason. God has placed you in a place for a reason. And so what roles, places, or people are around you that you're called to lead, that you're called to reach, that you're called to give life to, that you're called to love, that you're called to help shape. Because where you are right now is not a mistake. It's part of the process of yes. Here's another question. What current purposes am I neglecting because there is one area of my life that isn't going well? And I'll tell you, when I was miserable and I felt purposeless, I'd say hi to the family, I'd walk upstairs, I'd turn on the shower, and I'd sit in the shower until it ran cold. And you know what I was neglecting? My purpose as a husband. My purpose as a dad. My purpose as a son. My purpose as a student, my purpose in all of these things. And so here's the deal. I didn't know where the plane was going to land and that was miserable, but there were certain things in my life at that moment that I needed to be faithful to, that those were my purposes in that moment. And so what are the little purposes that you need to be saying yes to in your life right now while you discover what the big one is? Maybe those things that you need to be faithful to now are the things that will get you to where you need to be. Like, my purpose is always to worship God. But when I felt purposeless, it didn't feel like I wanted to. And so I neglected that. And the one who designed me and made me, instead of getting to know him better, I pushed away from him. So the one who can actually assign my purpose and tell me I was moving away from didn't make sense. That's some of us in this room right now. Here's another question. How are you gifted? Do you want to know how you find out how you're gifted? Stop taking a million personality tests. Go do some things. And you will find that you have natural affinities for things. Like you will. Do you want to know how I found out I was good at speaking? It's because I was in a science fair in, in high school, and we did this, like, experiment thing. And we really kind of, like, high schoolers, I was 15 at the time, really didn't do very well. And then the judges started to ask me questions, and I began to make them up. I was like, oh, yeah, we did this. And my, my like, project mates were like, uh-huh, where are you going with this? And I just began to speak. But because I had a gift of speaking, it sounded, like, logical. That's how I found out that I was good at speaking. Right there. Not in a good way, in a bad way. But you know what I also found out is, like, I'm not good at mercy. You want to know why? Because I really get annoyed with people. It's not my deal. Like, I also found out that I'm not good. Like, I like to think that I'm good at fixing things, and I can do that, but I don't want to. It's not my purpose. So I hire people. It's really nice. And I'm like, man, you do such a great job. Thanks. And I leave. So how are you gifted? Here's another question for you. 
what do you need to try right now? Like, for some of us in this room, the reason we're not walking into our purpose is because we're scared to fail. Like, there's a part of your life where you're just freaked out and you're scared to fail right now. And because you're scared to fail, you're, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you know that everything you don't try is already a failure. It's just easier for you to swallow because you didn't try so hard. See, some of us are so afraid of the no that we can't ever get to the yes. So what do you need to try? What, what like, profit, not profit do you need to start? What ministry do you need to serve into? What, what do you need to try? Because you're afraid of getting a no, you can't ever get a yes if you don't try. So try. Try something that may be the purpose that you need to walk into, but you need to step into in faith. But here's the deal. If it's a no, it's a gift from God because it's one thing that you can check off your list. Like in college, I thought I began to doubt and worry in this season of purposelessness. So I thought maybe I'm supposed to be a doctor like my dad. So I went back to undergrad. I got a full ride scholarship to undergrad. And you know what happened? I realized I don't like biology. So being a doctor is not for me. But I graciously was able to hear a no so I could get to yes. And then finally, here's the deal. Here's a question I think that you'll find a lot of hope in. What needs do I see around me and how can I be the solution to them? What needs do you see around you? What people do you see hurting? What, what things are going on in your family? What things are going on in this church? What is going on in your life right now that like, you are in this place where you can be a solution to the darkness around you because God has uniquely designed you to fit that place? And so church, I don't know where you are in your life. Like you're not like you might think like my marriage, what's the purpose or what's my purpose in this marriage? It seems like I can do nothing right. Don't stop trying. Don't stop pursuing. Why wow, this job, I hate it. It's awful. Like what am I going to do? Keep trying. Keep pursuing. Try a new department. It may be time. Like this may be the answer of no and walk into something new. But God never just calls you to nothing. He calls you to something. So don't hit the eject button too early. You're just going to create misery. Where am I supposed to serve in church? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Just try. We don't, like we at Bedrock, don't put you in prison when you join a serve team. We're not like, oh, you're a greeter? Forever. Here's the tattoo. We don't do that, right? Like, you're in the band forever. Here's a tattoo. No. Volunteer is a temporary position. By the way, guys, this might be a temporary position for me. But just because I wasn't going to be at Bedrock forever, should I have never started the church? This is my purpose now. I don't know if it's my purpose forever. I believe pastoring and shepherding is, but I don't know if it's always going to be here. But we wouldn't be here if we didn't say yes. So God has a purpose for you. God has a place for you. God has anointed you. God has called you and God has made you. So church today, you don't got to be like anybody else. You just got to be who God made you to be. And the only way I know to figure that out is to start walking towards it. And the walking towards it is our worship, is our yes, is our prayer, is our praise. So I hope that gives you freedom today. I hope that gives you purpose today. I hope that gives you a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So John's going to sing. Thank you for jumping into today's message. And we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you. And please let us know.